Welcome to the Monsters of Television podcast. <laughs> that no. I was going to go for like a Vincent Price, James Earl Jones kind of I thing. love it. Do it. <laughs> was that your The Cape voice? That's my The Cape voice. That's my Big Tim voice. <laughs> Welcome to the Monsters of Television broadcast. I'm Nick Campbell. I- I'm just Matt Owens. We have Noel Kirkpatrick. Hello. Karen Petruska. <laughs> And uh, so we're going to talk about television and whatnot. Um, I want to get something off my chest real quick. I mean, this is not a surprise to anybody, I don't think. But uh, The Cape was the worst show I've seen in probably a season. What'd you guys so, think? you know, I was just sitting here thinking, I'm like, can I be really provocative and say The Cape was better than Off the Map? Yeah. <laughs> like, this could, this could become... I this can become a new standard. Like, is it better or worse than the cape? We'll determine, you know, a show. I think the cape is definitely better than off the map. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Let's talk about the but, cape, though. The cape was, I think, was, like, a, a clinic and how you can make a bad pilot. Like, it was just, the motivations of all the characters were awful. The uh, I think that it was probably a longer pilot. Like, the script was longer, and they just kind of cut it so that they would kind of make sense a little bit. Um, I just, I didn't like, I don't think I liked a single person on that show, except for maybe the, the fighter in the, in, the, in the circus, the guy that used to play uh, Mini Janitor on Scrubs. Uh, he might have been the only character I liked in the entire script. Well, I think that that, that, that is an issue, and I, I would probably say I disagree with you about the character thing, but I definitely agree with you that there was an issue with the script. And the, the comparison I was making in my head was, this is two hours, I mean, with commercials, mind you, but, you know, so they have an hour and a half at least, at minimum. A movie can tell an entire story in that time beautifully. So this show had no excuse. This wasn't an hour, you know, 40 minutes that they were trying to get everything out. And they had a huge block of time. Mm-hmm. And they still didn't manage to get me engaged. And that's a big problem. That's a huge problem. Yeah, I mean, it was just so, especially the first episode, I think they took a minute to kind of breathe in the second episode. But in that first episode, they're just rushing through everything. And it was just really frustrating. I had no sense of place. I mean, I still don't have any sense of what Palm City is. Mm. It's frustrating for me, especially since cities are such a big, integral part of the whole superhero mythos. Yeah. And I have no idea what Palm City is, aside from the fact that these citizens are perfectly okay with a masked villain running around. No, 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 you're really, that, you're onto something there. I hadn't thought about it this way, so thank you. Because a lot of the critics were like, why is this town so okay with chess, like, existing and being a bad guy? Batman's world makes sense because the whole town is dark and devastated. So when caped crusaders show up, that city's already, you know, pretty much screwed. Right. This town looked like every kind of normal except for so this inexplicable bad guy. with scaly faces. Right, so you're right. There, there, there was a, there's, they missed an ambiance thing, um, a mood, a tone, um, you know, just even the setting. Like this town should be, if it if they want it to look like ours, then they need to be making a comment about our world. If they want it to be otherworldly, then it should be otherworldly. They kind of moved in between that. I mean, during the nighttime scenes, it looked like the Gotham City, but during the daytime scenes, it looked like Metropolis, and I was just confused about where we were. No, I, th- I think that's a really important point, that the, that the show's missing on a number of levels. Um, the plot kind of just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, the characters, though, I, I think that there's potential there, which is why I'm going to disagree a little bit with Nick. I think there's potential there. They didn't develop any of them in a way that made me care yet. Yeah. Um, and you know, even just on the level of look, the, the show doesn't have an, you know, an imprint. It doesn't have a brand. It doesn't have a something unique to offer to us. So it all kind of seems like it was just done halfway. Matt, what did you think? I actually haven't even watched it yet because I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm, af- I'm afraid of not liking it. I want it, I want it to be good. I want to, see oh, yeah. successful, I want to see successful superhero stories told on yes. television. And because No Ordinary Family, while it's good, it's the best we have, it's still not quite what it could be. And so the cape being such a disappointment, I- I'm even afraid to watch it. 
I just want a hug, you. I need yeah, a I mean, hug. I, 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 no, I, I do. I need a hug. If if I, if I don't want it, I can keep. I can keep. I can stay in denial. I can keep saying, well, maybe it's not that bad because I keep hearing what you guys are saying and I'm just shaking my head like, oh my God, I can't believe that this is as bad as we all actually thought it was going to be. No, I mean, ever since Heroes, I have been like, and I hated Heroes pretty pretty early on and I will always like to remind people of that. I knew it was a mess before anyone else did, but I really wanted it to be great. You know, and, and there was potential there for greatness. That show actually had potential. It's just the people behind it had no clue what they were doing. Um, this show too. I'm gonna say the cape. I, you know, you mentioned the 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 little man, but all of the carnival characters are interesting to me. Yeah, all of them. Like if this was a show about them robbing banks, and the cape comes in and helps them kind of find a new way to go or whatever. Like if the if the focus just shifted that little bit onto their world and he comes into their world, be I'd be way more interested. Yeah, but it, it would be kind of a it would be a leveraged show basically, but with you know Keith David. Which would be awesome. Which would be awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I do like, I do like, and I'm going to, I don't know, I can't remember his character name, so I'm going to call him Big Tim. But uh, Big Tim was, uh, I, I like him as a character, and I think that uh, he, he can do well. I don't like his motivations throughout. I, I, like, I don't know really where he's coming from a little bit, because he seems to vacillate greatly between uh, being uh, very suspicious of uh, of the cape and also or of the the guy that would become the cape and also um, but then also being kind of like a father figure and um, so I but I'm, that could be interesting if they played that for mm-hmm. for that to be unsure is he a good guy a bad guy is you know is he creating a good superhero to do good or is he trying to eventually turn him to do bad I mean that could be interesting the fact right now it's just character confusion it's not actually being played the right way right. Um, I, the other thing I don't like about it, and the, and the reason why I also never liked Heroes, is that it's got like a pulpy, uh, or the, yeah, the the dialogue and the character inter- interactions are all very pulpy. Very much, it's something that works very well in a comic book setting, but nobody's been able to really transfer it very well into the uh, into the, the media or moving image, into television or into movies. Whenever they have that kind of pulpy interaction. The, um, the that comic book style and that comic book feel the dialogue it never works in transference. It feels cheesy. It it's, does. It, there's a huge difference when you're reading it versus seeing people actually acting it out, and it has yet to find a way to come across without seeing too hokey. Exactly, and and so uh, I don't, and that's how the cape feels. The cape feels that has that kind of pulpy kind of feel to it, and I don't like it. I don't. I think that if you're going to transfer uh, one media property to another kind of medium. Then you need to have. Then you need to be able to do it properly. Just because if you're going to do pulpy cheesy, comic, no. If they committed to pulpy cheesy, it would be okay. Yeah, the problem is they're doing too many different tones. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I actually wouldn't mind if the show was kind of silly and just really out there. If they just went for, you know, we're going to be bizarre and we're going to play up all the low genre stuff that we can. Right, you I just have get to commit to it. You're, yeah, right. right. Are, yeah, yes, you were, you were totally right that there's something there, but the way it comes through right now, it it doesn't it doesn't work. Again, I mean, cheesy, cheesy can become its own genre, really, but you have to do it well, and you have to want to be that, and, and I don't think the show yet knows what it wants to be. It's like they just threw everything in. I mean, I couldn't believe that the mother and son are going to stick around. Now, they gave mom a job, so maybe she could become, like, a superhero of the law in her own way or whatever, but those two, that, that seems a dead end to me. They should have been killed, so he had a real reason to be to avenge himself. Like, I'm not sure what those characters can possibly add because they're not real people. They're just symbols. They're character hostages right now. I think, I think that maybe um, as, as they continues that maybe they do, they might, they can be killed or something like that uh, just to give them a goal. But for, for right now, no, I, I think they're expendable. You're right. Um, and they, they might actually be better off dead and all dead and alive. Yeah. would have given him some real issues to deal with. I mean, every superhero has got dead parents somehow, right? Right. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, because you need to have a real trauma to give up everything and to not care if you live or die anymore. Mm-hmm. He still can't die. You know, he has people that are depend- depending depending upon him in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- he has stakes there. And I, superheroes are better when they lose all of that, when they're willing to do anything and be anything. And he doesn't have any of that. Right. So and it's just a giant, big disaster. Summer Glau played a nothing role. In any of the episodes that I saw. Um, oh, you have such a problem with me now because I don't know if you guys are, you know, Glau people, but I don't yes. get it. Uh, I mean, it's, she, uh, you know, I, um, I'm not as big a Firefly fan as a lot of other people are, 
but I um, I do think that she has potential. I don't know if this is the role that she's going to exact her uh, her revenge in or exact, finally uh, propel her career with. Nick and I were talking earlier. The cape is dead. It's going to die eventually. We all know that. Right. If this is Chuck's final season, it, I think we'll be able to say it is scientifically proven that Summer Glau is a show killer. <laughs> she's the Tim Minear of, uh, of acting. Yes, that will just that will be it. She can't find... I am. I'm a Glau fanboy. I'm going to go on ahead and put that out there. But she can't. She's not the best. I will admit it. Even though I like her, she's, she's not, not the best. And she's never been able to find something that allows her to really show that she can act. I mean, River was a very interesting character, but that was mainly from a writing standpoint. She didn't do that much necessarily. It was just kind of the story surrounding not. her and in everything else. I never watched Sarah Connor Chronicles, so I can't really speak about that one. She was a robot, so she didn't really act that much. It's true. Yeah, How much emotion she, could you she, have, she I suppose? She was great but... as a robot. She can do robot. She actually was was pretty good in that show, because, but she's good in a very limited way. Mm. And even there, here, I don't know what they... They seem torn here, too, because actually the idea of her being the person behind the weird voice and all of that is pretty cool, but suddenly when she's driving a car and wearing little skirts and whatever else, suddenly she becomes much less interesting to me. Again, there was there's a potential with that character, but I think it's more like she should be you know gr- gruesomely scarred or something. There's there's some reason she's doing everything behind the computer. Oh, you you didn't you didn't immediately think that she was Chess's daughter? Because I did. Oh no, I didn't think that. Because that's just the kind of comic booky stuff uh-huh. that would happen. She's estranged and wanting to fight against him, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that makes sense. But then why wouldn't she have chest piece eyes? The ability hasn't kicked in yet, you know. <laughs> oh. Well, he's, he's actually a good actor, that poor guy playing chess. And, I mean, all he, all he needed was a ha and it would have been complete. Right. I mean, and also, th- this is just a little, like, maybe I'm too political point, but the idea of taking over the prisons fascinates me. But I wish it would have started there so that he was exploiting prisoners as t- toward his own end. And then he was going after the cops to make it like the, the, the order of it seemed really strange to me. Oh, OK. Yeah, I can see that. But at the same. Yeah, I can that. I mean, the entire privatized police force thing. I just went, oh, they're doing RoboCop. This will be awesome. And then it wasn't awesome. I'm just saying once you have the cops, you don't need the prisons. Like it doesn't make sense to me. They seem to think that's ratcheting it up a level. Mm-hmm. And I don't get that. It makes more sense to me if you have the prisons, so you have an entire field of people willing to do whatever for you, and then you try to get the cops so nobody's held accountable, that ratchets it up a level. The way they did it seems backwards to me, and I don't quite get the menace of it. Yeah. But, it, you know, there, too, the idea of, of owning the cops, of, of cor- a corporatized police force. It, you know, we have, corporate, we have corporate-owned prisons, privately-owned prisons, that, you know, somebody's making a profit off of prisons. So that's where I'm saying it's political. This is an actual issue in our world that, cor- you know, corporate bodies own prisons and therefore are trying to extract some sort of labor from people that are indentured, you know, or enslaved, however you want to look at it. So there, there's a real conversation that could be had there. But again, this is not the right show to do it. It's not doing it in any way that kind of makes sense to me, so... And, and that said, all that said, I still think it might be a better show than Off the Map. This is why I'm saying that's a provocative statement I made. So, really, was Off the Map really that bad? Yes. <laughs> Tell me about it. I'm probably going to watch Off the Map. Well, I'm not sure sure yet, but I'm probably going to watch it just because you know I I actually enjoy shows that sometimes are just completely frivolous. That said. The reason the cape for me is better is because there is potential. I, we've went through how many different things now where we said, that could be cool if. That could be cool, but. Like, they actually have, there's something there. There is a show somewhere hidden in what we actually got, the watered-down mess we got. I'm not sure there's a show in Off the Map. Aside from what we got, which is pretty young white people rediscovering themselves. So, yeah, so Off the Map, you know, did, did all of you watch it or just Noel and I? Just you guys. Just you guys were brave enough. Okay. <laughs> So here's the situation, right? So these three kids from America that have either fell on hard times or had just lost everyone that cared about them because they were being losers or whatever, um, have nowhere else to go. They all made it through med school, but they haven't been able to make it through residency. So they go to this South American country. Was that even named? I don't even know if that country was named. But they're no. in the South American country with really hot doctors all trying to do you know free care for people 250 miles from any other hotel or excuse me hospital. Well, hotel. Um, 
Now, and so, you know, the, the, the funny thing for anyone watching TV is that they're using all of the Lost sets. So, like, the show oh. opens with all of our new characters standing on the same cliff where Jack fought, um, the, you know, J- the black guy at the very end of the series. You know, that huge thing where Kate came out and shot him. You know, it was that wonderful, like, the last two episodes, right? It was I'm a listening. gorgeous setting. I'm interested. Continue. So, it is. It's, it's the lost setting. The setting is beautiful. Yeah. Like it carries all of this nuance and resonance and depth and all of this. I mean, this is when Jack was really going to take him out, you know. And you see these doctors, all these pretty doctors standing there, and it just empties that. Like it almost like retroactively ruins Lost because you're putting such frivolity in a place that held such greatness. So it's a, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a painful show in that way for Lost fans. It's gonna be kind of fun to see sets and recognize them, but it's also gonna be truly traumatic because you're gonna be like, oh, so much better then. So these three kids that come to off the map do not speak Spanish. Kills me. I just, I just have to pause for a moment so you can understand the enormity of the insanity of this. Three kids go to a South American country to help provide medical care and cannot talk to their patients and do not think this is an issue. It never <laughs> you, occurred you to them. The organization might be like, hey, here's some Spanish phrases that you might need to know. Yeah, or even like, show me with the little, you know, the CDs that they were listening to on the plane to try and yeah. leave it. I mean, they can't say hello or goodbye. They can't speak Spanish. So here, this is, a, you know, Shonda Rhimes is a producer. This wasn't her brainchild, but she's a producer. So for her kinds of shows, it's all about emotional connection. Between doctors and patients, doctors and nurses, doctors and doctors, all of this. There is no way to communicate with these people but through really heartfelt looks. It's terrible. Yeah, no. I, and what's even more confounding about the language barrier is the fact that they were handpicked by the other folks at the clinic. They did all this massive amounts of research on people. And they picked three people who didn't speak a word of Spanish. Yeah, a hundred applicants and none of them spoke Spanish. <laughs> well, they must have just picked them because they were good looking then. And see, that's the other problem. I don't know any hot doctors. <laughs> I don't mind the hot doctors, but, and they all, like, three of them, so, okay, no, two of them definitely have lost someone that they love, and they're really upset about it. And, and I, I, you know, losing someone you love is a really traumatic thing, and I don't, in any way, in the real world, want to suggest that that's not a severe thing, but the show does not present that as a severe thing. It becomes just a plot point that's supposed to give characters depth but fails to because all we know is that there's someone once that they love deeply and that's supposed to mean something to us. Um, there, was, there, was, there was plenty of like little bits of bickering here and there, which is supposed to be sexual tension, but even though the words and the actions were there, the, the, you know, the emotion behind it wasn't there. Um, I, I don't, I, in any show that kind of takes me to what we're supposed to believe is sort of like a third world location, I think there's a responsibility there. There's a responsibility to present the patients as real people and not like these mindless, voiceless, you know, because they speak Spanish, but since our doctors don't, the patients become voiceless. Yeah. And all they are is grateful people saying, oh, these wonderful doctors from America that come and say, I mean, this is a colonialist mission. <laughs> <laughs> Harry's I, much more upset about this show than I was. <laughs> Well, and I, I, like I said, I don't mind having some mindless stuff. I mean, I can sit through private practice, which normally is pretty reprehensible. Um, but, but this show might just go too far. And one more thing, and then I promise I'll shut up. But there was one moment where they're doing surgery, and they actually gave us the overhead shot into the body cavity. And, you know, this, this show does not need to give us real surgery when ER tried to do that, ER was trying to keep it real and keep it edgy and whatever else. This yeah. show is not edgy. I'll... This show should not be edgy. If this show thinks it is edgy, then it doesn't know what it is. I do not need to see inside body cavities here. I need to see doctors having sex and, and whatever else. You know, there's, there's, they need to know what this show is. before the, and, and because it's set in this tropical location, we're going to get all kinds of wacky, wacky... You know, next week a guy is, you know, an anaconda has him, is wrapped around his chest or something. And so we're going to get 40 minutes of a guy screaming about a snake. (laughs) Well, I mean, to get to your point about seeing the gruesomeness of surgery and everything, I mean, there's a tonal problem with that. Because as soon as we get to see inside that guy's body, and Matt and Nick, you guys should just watch the episode for this, they hook up a coconut IV. (laughs) No, I know. I saw your tweet about that, and that was it for me. Coconut IV? Yes, because um, coconut milk 
has the same uh, same what electrolytes, electrolytes yeah as blood does to keep the guy alive because he was bleeding out so they hook up a coconut IV to the guy to keep him alive from bleeding out it was amazing <laughs> <laughs> so and I don't know if that's at, you know for for all I know they actually have poor researchers who are trying to give them real medical situations that they can play with but the the reason on Gray's things tend to work is because every patient that comes in there somehow connects to a character and teaches them something. And I just don't see them being able... I think this show is going to get so distracted by the nonsense, the anacondas and whatnot, and the coconuts. And, I, you know, they haven't given me characters yet that I care about. And a show like this, that is it's a sinking ship. Because that's what the show is supposed to be based on. I'm not watching it to see coconuts. Well, I think the other thing that the show will suffer from is the fact that they're going to learn from simpler people, and this gets back to your point about, and I'm putting simpler in quotation marks. Yes. See that. They're going to learn from simpler people to be better people, and it's just, really? Do we need to do that? Do we need to have, uh, what's his character's name on Friday Night Lights? Matt. Do we need to have Matt Saracen having a big speech in front of a guy who can't understand him? Just so that he can give the guy tuberculosis medicine? No. And then it becomes super indulgent, right? Because he's only saying it for himself. He's not actually communicating. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just really frustrating. And ah, ah. And, and, I, and I should say that part of the reason I'm so upset, it isn't just because I you know, think the show is missing on a lot of levels. It's because they have, such, they have some good actors there. They have Matt from Friday Night Lights, who is so sweet and can really make you cry. I mean, he's he's a strange little persona. Like he he, I would like to see him play like the tough guy sometime because that would be fascinating. Because that's not at all his how he moves and how he talks. It wouldn't work. But they have the freaking daughter of Meryl Streep, Mamie Gummer. I mean, oh, that's right. That's right. She, I knew I recognized her. Yeah. So you have. I mean, and and she's been in some movies and shown that she has real potential. And she gets stuck in this. I, 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 turn, I turned it on, not because of Grace, but because of Mamie Gummer. And I just wish she had better material. Yeah, she's stuck playing the uptight doctor yeah. who failed and is perfectionist. Blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, no, I, I'm with Karen. I'm pretty sure that the cape is better than off the map. <laughs> <laughs> it at least has the potential to be better. But neither, you're right. I think you're right. Neither's going to get there. We, we are... I have a very disappointing set of new shows here. And it's only going to continue to get worse. That's the bad part. Look at everything that NBC is pushing out this mid-season. Like, it's only going to get worse. This early <laughs> stuff, we have... We're, television's doomed. That's, that's all I'm getting this out of this. This is the season. end of television. This is the end. It is. Perfect Couples is going to bring us all down. But I will say this, one other little thing. Um, I, I have been catching up with Boardwalk Empire. Not at the end of the first season yet, but I'm catching up. And at the moment, it is not sucking. You're a liar. Yeah. No, it, it has gotten a lot better. Now, getting a lot better from where it was and with Isn't the kind of like r- rave reviews it was getting, which I think are all insane. Um, you know, getting better. They we're still talking about, you know, along the spectrum, it's still pretty low. I mean, it's, it's nowhere near Dexter territory. It's nowhere near Rome territory, as far as I'm concerned. Um, much less Wire, Sopranos, any of those kind of esteemed things. So I think there's a lot of people that really want Boardwalk Empire to be something. And it might be coming in the end. But boy, did it take forever to get there. And so my new theory I'm developing there, which I will discuss more, I guess, when I finish the season, is that the first six episodes, they should have just not done and started from episode seven. And it would have been a better show. See, now you're making me just want to watch the last you might need to. It might be better that way. I'll start a whole trend. We'll just forget the first six episodes happen. But then I would have never seen all of Walking Dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not sure that one got Just there. skip 50% of the show and start watching from there. So hey, should... what's... the first episode of Walking Dead was pretty good. So yeah, I should just watch Yeah, the first episode's fine. Yeah, the first episode of Boardwalk Empire was still mediocre. So, you know what I mean? There's a difference. Walking Dead was just inconsistent. Boardwalk Empire was continually slow and boring. Well, you got to give it points for consistency. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose. That's bold saying that uh, the cape is better than off the map. Like, seriously, <laughs> off the, the cape was, like, it really was the worst I've seen outside of, you know, Perfect Couples, which is just a horrible disaster. Yeah, I didn't do that to myself. 
Yeah, good I consider you. yourself lucky. Yeah. I mean, yes. on The Daily Show is already horrible enough. Yep, with her mun face, yeah. To see her on a show like that playing people that I'm sure I would hate. Oh, and you would. Her and, characters. Yeah, I just despise, yeah. I mean, the, the promo made me despise these people. I can't imagine sitting through a half hour with them. So you guys it's so sad because I love Christine Woods. She was the best part about Flash Forward. And now to see her reduced to perfect couples is really heartbreaking for me. I mean, did you read my review of it, Karen? I didn't even bother to look up character names. They were just couple <laughs> A, couple B, and couple C. Which I love that. You really need to, I, I want you to keep doing perfect couples and just continue to refer to them by couples A, B, and C just to confuse people. <laughs> I'll go check that out. That's all right. That that sounds like it would be entertaining. Well Well, done. It wasn't worth learning their names. (laughs) (laughs) How did it do, though? Is it going to be, like, outsourced or inexplicably? It's going to be... They do not have an an unwarranted hit on their hands this time. Okay. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, you never know. Well, no, I knew Outsource was... I, I predicted Outsource was actually going to do fairly well. Well, that's because we're a racist country. We love that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> or we at least like to... Look, this, you know, back to the off-the-map thing. We like to look at people from other countries as being a lot less better off than we are. Yes. Whatever that means. Financially, emotionally, intellectually. Yes. The American dream depends upon making other countries look worse off. How could you have a good country? Your food causes diarrhea. <laughs> Obviously, they've never been to the varsity. <laughs> I haven't been to the varsity. Uh, oh. joke. <laughs> you haven't been to the varsity yet? What's wrong with you? We actually tried to go during that ice storm a few weeks back, and the place was closed. Yeah, there was an ice storm. <laughs> well, no, but food, fast food restaurants aren't supposed to close. When when the bomb comes, they're supposed to stay open <laughs> because their food will survive. Right. It will, and you know they're always there. That's what the signs always say: twenty-four hours, so four in the morning when you need twelve hundred calories. That's where you go. Should have just gone to Landmark Diner then. <laughs> Landmark, I can at least get a salad. You know. Yeah. Anyway, I'll get there sometime, and then I'll tell you about my gastric dysfunction. <laughs> Looking forward to it. This is suddenly become a Kevin Smith podcast. Yep. <laughs> Quite the well, tangent we're on now. We, we could develop a, a series of evaluations based on our gastric discomfort level. And, and that will be how we evaluate our shows. Like some people have thumbs up or stars. Right. We will do level of discomfort. <laughs> uh, you know, this show kind of maybe had, it was, a, it was a stiff stool, but it was all right. <laughs> this one, I was a little gassy, but otherwise it was, I wasn't uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> okay. I think it's just- <laughs> Someday we'll be known for this, guys. <laughs> I, I know it. This, this is how we're going to make our name. We're going to make our name by talking about BMs in relation to television. <laughs> there are worse marketing gimmicks. <laughs> yes. Are, are you guys excited that TV is going to be starting next week, though? Like most of TV television is starting next week? NBC! Parks yeah. and Rec! Yes, if for no other reason, Parks and Rec is back next week. Right. Or just anything, Chuck's back, so Chuck can ruin uh, my uh, my opinion of them again. Yeah, uh, and uh, I'm not excited about Sarah's hair going dark. Is that going to equal a dramatic character change too? Like brunette from blonde to brunette, suddenly she becomes like more dangerous and sexy. Do you think? Oh, I hope so. Did Sarah travel to a parallel universe? Like, what what's with the hair ah. color change? I don't know. It's in the promos. So. Yeah, but and, apparently you should show up just for that. I guess, huh? Yeah. I, Sure, why not? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm kind of hooked anyway on Chuck. Like Chuck, can, I don't think Chuck can do anything that'll make me stop watching because I'll, I'll complain about it being the worst show on television, and then the next week it'll be the best show on television. And the next week, like I'm always going to well, keep coming back. No, but Nick, there's something to be said for sticking through with the show and a show that you probably liked a lot from the beginning. I actually really admire that sticking with it even when it's really bad. Oh, second season, like just the second season alone was enough for you to, for people to keep watching, and uh, that's, that's what got, got me, got me back in, and then it betrayed me. That second season, like well, I, I admire your stick to itiveness. Well done. I appreciate it. Thank you. you know, it's called it stubbornness. That's <laughs> what that. Or it's called being. I a call sucker. it Hope dies last with TV fans. How about that? Yeah. yeah. That, that was is this sad. CW back? 
It's no, CW is not back until next week. Oh man! I know we've got a long time to wait to watch Chuck try and take down Lily, and I can't wait. Oh, that's going to get really exciting, isn't it? Yes, everyone against Lily. It's going to be great. There are things to look forward on the CW. So when you say about shows coming back, I think there's a lot of goodness to be had there. Yeah. It just all happens to be on a very small little network. So. Right. And, uh, you know, Life Unexpected with their season finale. Coming up yeah. Not I, their I, series I finale, had a... but their season finale. I think there's you a lot of hope to be had there. Come there on. There is not. That show is done. Like, uh, the showrunner for Life Unexpected, she just oh. got an overall deal with ABC. So, and she's already developing shows for them. So, I mean, I think there's no hope. I think that Life Unexpected is dead, and it should be dead because it's a bad show. Yeah, there should be hope. They, they, they really squandered the opportunity there. Yeah. What? You don't think a creepy teacher-student and shovel relationship was a squandered opportunity? Going back in time, I actually think Baze was a bad character. You think so? Yeah, I think that he... Well, I think she was problematic, too, because they made her so high-strung. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I think that neither of those parents were particularly likable. And so the problem with the teacher is suddenly when the kid became... Because the kid was actually okay at first. She was kind of spunky and stuff. But when you start with the parents being unlikable and then the kid joins them in being unlikable, that's not a family you root for. Being all terrible characters. And what's sad is I like the actor. I like how he tried to portray Baze. But, uh, yeah, Baze is... He became too. Uh, what's I'm trying to think of a good action. Squishy. He became squishy at the end, near the end of the series with the uh, relationship that he had with uh, Emma, the uh, the girl that was you know bumping uglies with her pop or with his pop. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and when they when they first went the route where they tried to do a love thing with 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 Baze and uh, Kate, that that was the wrong choice too. I mean, we've talked about this a little bit, but I I think that the early on the show had problems. Mm-hmm. And rather than recognize them, they just brought in a bunch of nonsense to hide from the problems. Like nobody wanted to face what were the issues. Right. That, that show, that show had that talk about potential on paper. That show had a lot of it. Sure, it, it should have been good. Yeah, it should have been, been ever good, but no. Yeah, squandered. It was squandered. It's right. Uh, uh, they had they had, had a lot of issues. They but they could have if they would have actually just stuck to the guns and worked through it and not have been like you know what we should do. We should go the telenovela One Tree Hill route instead. Um, <laughs> one Tree Hill, God bless it. Yeah, uh, yeah. We should go that way instead. One Tree Hill is a successful show. It I mean, yeah. No years. matter how bad it is, you have to look at it and say, "Wow, that show has been on almost as long as Smallville has." Yeah. It yeah. knows what it is, and it does that well. Yeah, and Life Unexpected wasn't that show, and it tried to be that show, and uh, that was. All these shows we're talking about today that are all disappointing don't know what they are yet. No. And, and uh, see, I came a theme to talk, to sum up our entire conversation so far. Give some structure to this thing. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's really. I mean, there's something to be said for that. That you know, we'll. we'll we, I think amongst the four of us, we'll enjoy a wide variety of TV. Sure. Yeah. You know, we're we're pretty open, but we want it to know what it is and commit to it. I mean, that's, yeah. that's the reason why I'm watching Pretty Little Liars, is that it, it kind of knows that it's kind of a campy little show. but I mean, And it sticks to it, and it gives us storylines knowing that, and so it's fun to watch. Right. I mean, so who's going to watch Skins on MTV? <laughs> uh, I don't know. That's for some other sucker. That's not for oh, me. I'm going to yeah. give it a go. I'm, I'm going to give it a go. If I can get Tebow to do it. I don't know if Tebow's against MTV, but I'm going to try. I'm not so much against a an American remake of that show. I'm against MTV being the place where that show uh, is remade. That's where my problem with this remake is coming from. I haven't seen the original, so I can't be offended. And I really like being offended, so it's too bad. <laughs> you should do it. Then just power watch a little bit. Get on Netflix. Power watch some of uh, of the first series so that you can be offended before it comes out. No, you're right. Righteous indignation is my favorite emotion. It's true. <laughs> And see, whenever I see the promos for Skins, I just go, are they relaunching Undressed already? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Awesome. I loved Undressed. Who didn't? No, Undressed was great. Undressed was great. <laughs> yeah, I missed that too. Oh, Undressed? You missed Undressed? Oh, man. That was but the, the good show. <laughs> the good news last night on Twitter was that... Uh, Party Down is back on instant on Netflix. So for people like me who ridiculously never got on with Party Down, I have an opportunity now. You could knock the entire series out in a day easily. And it would be the best day of your entire life. Yeah. Well, good. I think I'm going to give it a go. (laughs) 
Uh, Who needs to research? No, watch Party Down. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. That's the thing. That's, it's actually because of Party Down that I'm so excited for um, Friends with Benefits. Because I loved Ryan Hansen on Veronica Mars, but he really shined on Party Down. And to see him carry a show that, albeit the pilot has some issues, but to see him lead a cast is really exciting just because I've been a fan of his for so long. Which show are you talking about? Friends with Benefits. Oh, so, that so you know that uh, Ashton Kutcher, Natalie Portman movie, No Strings Attached, that you've probably yes. been seeing terrible, terrible previews for? It's yes, a television yes. series that's exactly the same thing. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. I mean, exactly the same thing. Yeah, and I also have to say, you know, obviously I'm, I'm not always in the loop here, but what's going on with PBS that I'm missing all the goodness on PBS? Between PBS and BBC America, I have missed every good sh- show this year. <laughs> Um, Downton Abbey is terrific. I mean, I, Matt, Nick, did you guys watch it? I'm guessing not. Uh-uh. But, uh, it's so much 1920s British upstairs, downstairs porn that I just can't help myself. <laughs> it's so good. <clears throat> Excuse I've me. never heard of it, Noel. I had no idea what you were talking about. Like, why was this so far off the radar? Um, I had heard about it a little bit because, um... Jay's televisionary had been ta- had been like really mm. pumping it on his feed a lot, so and then a couple of other folks watched it and said it was really good. And I watched it last night on PBS's website, so it's streaming on PBS's website. Oh, PBS is streaming TV. Good, yeah. God bless them. So what was really weird to me was that there was an ad for a car before my stream started, and that was just weird. For PBS, well, yeah, because back in the day, everything was locked down because they wanted to, you know, they need they charge ridiculous rates for their DVDs, right? And they become membership gifts, and then you can go to Amazon and get them for like forty percent off. So, so maybe they're learning that just getting people to visit PBS is better than getting us to pay eighty dollars for a twenty dollars DVD. If they're going to put advertisement in there, why would they need viewers like us? Right. Well, I'm not going to knock public television. I mean, their their funding issues are usually pretty easy to to understand what what the issues are. I I and I I think that if they would you know appreciate that good programming. Like if I watch this series and like it, I actually will want to give them some money. Like I have you know just listened to episodes of um, This American Life and like immediately gotten online and just given two bucks. You know, just it's 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 a macro payment, but or micro payment rather, but you know. Um, good programming will lead me to support financially when I know that, that, that there is a need. Yeah, and Downton Abbey is just really great, especially if you do like those type of British servant, upper class type of stories where you have the upper class um, folks concerned about an inheritance, basically, because the estate's heirs both die on the Titanic. Mm-hmm. And it goes to a third cousin that nobody knows, and thus they don't want him taking over everything. And he turns out to be like a middle-class doctor type of character who doesn't really get the whole servant thing, which comes through. <laughs> and then there's just all the going-ons um, between the servants and that sort of thing. And it's just, it's Gosford Park, but without the mystery stuff. Nice. Gosford Park, so... Um, yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, so it's all that without the murder mystery tacked on in the last 30 minutes. Huh. And it's, it's just so good. Every time I watch Friday Night Lights, we're, I'm catching up on that this season, too. Every time I watch it, Noel, I think of you. Where are oh. you? I just saw my first episode of Friday Night Lights this week. Oh, for this season? Yeah. Or, no, just overall. I saw the season four premiere. That's the only episode of the show that I've seen. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, um, I'm, I'm trying to catch up for the finale. There should be three or four episodes left for the okay. c- c- series finale. And I, it's really... It's, it's hitting out of the park this year. Uh, I really... It's been... Um, there's just been some beautiful, the show is like inspiring, but here, okay, so here's, I, I've been talking too much, but there's one scene where the boy, they've taken the team to another town to play a game, and so they have to stay in a hotel, and so four of the guys just happen to be out on, on the decks outside their hotel rooms, and they're just chatting. They're not breaking down into tears to talk about their dad beating them. They're not saying their girlfriend's pregnant and they don't know what to do. I mean, th- these weren't like serious conversations, that, but there were, there were serious undertones. But it was just guys sitting around talking and you bought every freaking moment of teenage boys sitting out in, out in the dark chatting. It was so realistic. The dialogue was so perfect. I could talk about it all day. Just this beautiful little, ca- they captured life in a scene. And nobody does that like Friday Night Lights. 
Except community. <laughs> community is doing a little more high art. Yeah. I like uh, trying to capture reality. No, no, I know. That was just, I was just trying to undercut that. Is this the part where we plug all of our favorite shows? Because Fringe is coming back on Friday, everyone. Get ready. <laughs> Emotional pleas for audience people to watch our shows. Go. Yes. I would say watch Chuck, but I don't know if I would, uh, I would suggest <laughs> can't i can't in good faith commit anybody to, to watch chuck it's a it's an abusive yeah. relationship i have much like noel years with uh, how i met your mother god uh you guys want to talk about how i met your mother real quick oh i do want to talk about it matt talk about it for a minute okay well I allow my rage to simmer oh god i have still been wrestling with my feelings about this last episode i i mean i get what they're trying to do. They wanted to have an inciting incident that would change a lot of the characters and that we could get some deeper looks into them and things like that. And this was a great way to do it. And while I loved the game of finding all the numbers through the episode, I think I have to say I'm within the camp that cheapens the emotional um, intensity at the end of the episode. Okay. I think it was, I think it was a cheap move. Well, I think the entire thing was a cheap move. I, I don't even... Because I didn't even pick up on the numbers. I mean, like, I noticed numbers, but I didn't really, like, see them in an order or anything. So I still felt like it was a really cheap move, even without the gimmick of the countdown, which still just seems kind of weird to me to do that. And it was just... It was so out of left field. And I'm normally okay with out of left field. Like, I mean, I had no problems with Cutner suicide on House. Didn't bother me. Mm-hmm. But this just seemed really lazy. Did you read? I know there was a there was a good interview a couple days afterward that um, EW did with Carter Bays, where he was explaining what they were trying to do with this episode. I didn't read that. What did he say? He said that, well, A, he said that they wanted, that this numbers thing was something they'd thrown around before. They wanted to use it. It was a fun idea. And that I get, but I was expecting, as I'm sure most other people were, a joke at the end. You know, it was going to, it was going to culminate in something really funny. Right. But he also said that they wanted, you know, he says that comedy, comedy does tragedy every now and then. And he wanted a reason to change these characters. He wanted us to be able to see Marshall in a different light. He was like, this isn't, we're not just going to go back to being funny next week. This is something that's going to stick around and it's going to change the dynamic between a lot of the characters. And that I get. You need to switch things up sometimes. You need to have things happen so that characters change. But it's just the way that they necessarily went about doing it. I don't, it just feels odd to me. Right, no, and I mean, I am all for character change. I love character development, even on sitcoms where characters aren't supposed to develop. Right. And that's one of the reasons why I've actually always liked How I Met Your Mother is that it always had that space for characters to develop and grow and change and not necessarily reset. And that's where a lot of my frustrations with the whole Rob and Barney thing came from was that they essentially reset after they broke up. There wasn't really any aftermath. And what aftermath they attempted to do felt really half-hearted and never really worked because it was Robin going with um, Don and leaving the group for an episode. It was just like what? Only for an episode, really? Yeah. So I just think that they, but I mean that entire season's a big mess anyway. Um. So. I'm all for character development, and I love the idea that they're going to keep visiting this because you and I talked about how the next episode after this has to be the funeral episode. Yeah. It has to give us something to make this matter, essentially. Yes. Because otherwise it's just a big one-off that Jason Siegel carried on his mammoth shoulders. Mm-hmm. And then we just go back to hijinks type of thing. And so, yeah, I just I want to see that character development really happen. And if that character development happens, I will be thrilled. But at the same time, I'm still frustrated by the fact that the fact that this kind of a thing has to happen to Marshall 
but not to. And I'll keep harping on this. The show has no idea what to do with Ted. No, you're 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 right there. You're right. And there. it's really frustrating to watch supposedly this guy's narrative, who's telling this this narrative to us, and he has nothing to say about himself. He has no stories in this narrative. He doesn't. It seems like they went with. Um... They put so much of a focus on Zoe, and she hasn't even been around as much as I thought she would be by this time in the season, but right. those are the only the episodes where we actually get to look at Ted's storyline are only in relation to Zoe being around, which I get it in the story of, you know, um, of how he met the mother and stuff, and that Zoe is a possible candidate and all that stuff. Of course, his stories are mainly going to focus around her, right? but that's all we're getting. I mean, you're right. That's one thing that you've been saying about this season so far is that when they don't know what to do with Ted, he's always yeah. just kind of there when it's not a focus on his love life. Right. And that's really frustrating for me just because I'm one of the few people who actually likes Ted. And apparently I, I, so people, people uh, don't like, really people don't like Ted. I love yeah. Ted. Yeah. No, I really like Ted. And I'm kind of good with Ted too. Like I, I was annoyed with Ted in the first half of the first season, but after the second season, I'm, I'm, I'm a Ted fan. Yeah, I love Ted to death. It's just, that's why it's really frustrating. I love all of these characters, and that's yeah. why it's frustrating to watch his character just kind of sit there and not do anything. But, I mean, to the larger point is that that last week's episode I just felt was so frustratingly lazy. Because who wouldn't want to go play laser tag? True. Very true. I mean, that's, and even just like convincing him to go. And then actually having him go and have a fun time would have been great. That would have been terrific because Siegel and uh, Neil Patrick Harris just have so much chemistry together. Mm -hmm. It's kind of disgusting. And then there was just the whole botched Sandy Rivers appearance that was... Yeah, that was wasted. That was just so much wasted stuff for me, especially from a Robin development standpoint, where we have this chance for her to revisit this period in her life that we were privy to as well. Mm Mm-hmm. And it just didn't go anywhere, and instead we just got to see all her previous embarrassments again, and we've already seen those. Except for the owl thing, which I really wanted to see. Right, <laughs> uh, that, that, come on, you know how this show is, they'll bring that back somewhere. I hope so, but it was just, it was frustrating because it didn't do anything for Robin because she's already done all of this with her friends. Is dealing with it with your new coworkers that big of a deal, and why is Sandy doing this to you again? Yeah. I never quite understood why Sandy was doing that. And, I mean, and finding out Sandy was bald, big whoop did you do We already kind of figured that out in the first season with Mary the Paralegal. Right. So, it was just a frustrating episode. And then, just, ah, so lazy, I think, just to do that and not have it precipitated by anything. I mean... Mr. Erickson's been on the show a lot this season with the telephone calls. Yep. But it was just frustrating because no one called Marshall. No one tried calling Ted to find Marshall. Yeah. I, I understand your frustrations. As much as we are generally on opposite sides of, oh, this week was really good. No, it was terrible. I think <laughs> for the first time, we're kind of really meeting in the middle here. Yeah. No, I think you agreed with me a couple of weeks ago about another episode. Did I? I, I normally so. try and Not forget. Yeah, I normally try and forget if you and I agree on something. Oh, thanks, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll see. Um, I don't. Is is Zoe back this week? I don't remember. I have no idea. I'm. W- if she is back, I'm not going to lie and say that that seems a little inappropriate to bring her back in. Therefore, focusing on Ted in the aftermath of a very Marshall-centric story. Yeah, I get that. And I think that this, I mean, if they do bring her back, it seems odd to me just because this seems like it should be something that alters their dynamics as a group. Yeah. But then again, they've been trying to to really bring Zoe into the group a lot more. And so maybe her being around next episode would show that she is kind of becoming one of them. And... In a time where Ted is obviously going to be affected by this too, especially in how he's going to have to console Marshall, Zoe being there for Ted, while Ted's being there for Marshall, could be a big move in the Zoe-Ted relationship. So I can see them bringing her around for those reasons. 
I'm nodding my head. You can't see me, but I am nodding my head in agreement <laughs> with your points. Yeah, I can see that working. Yeah, I, I think the the opinion of this latest episode will change some depending on how the next episode is. How they deal with what just happened, I think, will give a lot of validity to what ha- what they did previously. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it. it I think being harsh. I mean, I was pretty harsh on this episode and I still feel harshly about the episode but the follow through will change it I think it's one of those episodes where it's set up for something larger and to kind of poke at it for being set up is a little it isn't mean but it's not seeing the full picture Yes, and that's frustrating even though everything around that one moment didn't live up to anything was kind of the problem yeah as a standalone piece, so that's frustrating. But, I mean, I don't knock the episode for that moment, except for the fact that it just kind of came out of nowhere because Jason Siegel just sold the hell out of that. Right, he did. In just so many awesome ways that I didn't really think Siegel could do that, and I was thrilled to see him be able to do that. But just the rest of everything leading up to that, I just kind of felt frustrated by. Understandable. You know, they kind of, they, they mentioned it, but they kind of really glaze over the fact that they finally found the final doppelganger. Yeah, even though I, and I really liked that stuff, too. I thought that really worked. Yes. And, and it was just, it was the Ted story, well, the, whatever the Ted story was, if there was one. There wasn't one. And then the Robin story, and then just some of the weird other stuff that was going on around Marshall and Lily, even though the general concept of them having issues conceiving is interesting and I've really, I've felt like that's been a good arc for them. Yeah. It just, it got bundled up in all this stuff that it just felt messy. For even 22 minutes, it felt like a really messy episode. It did. So. And now I feel like I'm being repetitive. Yeah, okay, so there it is. There's How I Met Your Mother. You should watch Fringe instead, apparently. It's supposed to be amazing. Yes. And it will be. Christopher Lloyd is going to be on this week's epi- this upcoming episode. So, uh, if for no other reason, tune in for that. But Well, I would have... Abs- I mean, it's so funny, because when Fringe did that promo of if there's one episode you should watch this season, it's this episode. I'm just like, I would be totally fucking lost watching this one episode. <laughs> it's true. Don't tell me to watch that. I will have no idea what's going on. At this point, it's just, you know, they're trying to grab the audience. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, there, I'm sure there are plenty of shows where we've jumped in in the middle somewhere and we're like, oh, wow, this is really good. Let me try and watch from the beginning to understand what the hell is going on. And so I think they're really trying to pull people in with that. But you're right. That initial let's just watch an episode of Fringe is going to be incredibly confusing for people that don't know what is happening. I mean, I would feel bad for someone jumping into Chuck right now and having no clue what's going on. I would feel bad about Chuck if someone was jumping into Chuck right now and thinking that's what the show is supposed to be about. <laughs> no, I, I, can't, I don't trust Chuck to do anything good anymore. <laughs> they can't be trusted. But then shouldn't they have that going out with the bang mentality since they've been supposed to be canceled for like two years now? Shouldn't they just be going full throttle nonstop for the rest of the time that they're going to be on just in case they get canceled? You would think. They don't have the budget for that. Yeah. You'd wish. <laughs> no, I don't think people do that. I think that you know the reason we made such a fuss about Lost having an end date is because the, the weird psychological torture of not knowing if you're going to get renewed makes writers safe. Yeah. And that's a real shame. I think you're right. Like, the show would actually probably... The problem is if the show really went balls out and did it, they'd get renewed, and then they wouldn't have anything left in them. So... I, but yeah, there's, there's a weird thing that happens. That, that insecurity that. makes, you know, mediocre shows not be able to become great again. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a fan of the setting and end date for a show. It's, it's not a good business model because you can't milk anything like The Office for as many years as that's going to be on. But... It's, as an artistic medium, it makes more sense. That's one of the saddest reasons that, or that's one of the reasons why I'm most sad that Flash Forward got canceled. Because they went to ABC saying, we want five years to tell this story, that's all we want to do. And they got the okay, and then it got canceled after one season. But I would like to see that practice. I like the idea of an end date, because like you said, then since you know where you're going, you can go all out. 
you can tell your story yeah. and it can be great. I'm not sure Flash Forward is the best example of that. No, it's, uh. it's not. <laughs> That's the thing is there isn't any. It's a very interesting practice idea and really we recently lost. That's that's it. Carnival. Well, that one five before that was planned out. No, but that Friday Night Lights knew it had two seasons left. They knew that that was the deal, and they went into those two seasons with a plan. No, they and, and this is the other amazing thing that, um, that I've been talking about with my husband as we watch is this show. And we're trying to find an example of another show that's done this. It changed almost every character after three seasons. You know, because all the kids actually went to college and they didn't go with them to college. And all the kids did not magically go to college in town. You know, they they actually went away. And they brought in a whole bunch of new kids. And I care about those kids just as much as I cared about that first set. And that's amazing. We keep talking about characters not hitting and why do we care and then Walking Dead. All of these shows were not quite developing characters. Friday Night Lights is what they should go watch to learn. It's their master class, how to make me care about characters. I didn't know I that. I can't wait for Glee to do that. Hmm? I can't wait for Glee to send all those kids off to college. Well, and will they? That's going to be right. That'll be that'll be great to see if they, you know, do, can they pull it off? Because most of the time you can't. I'm, I'm just. Can you think of think about this offset? You know, let me know next week. This will be like our trivia question. Has there been any other show that has replaced almost all of its secondary characters and managed to you know thrive and succeed as well? Um, Saved by the Bell. Nobody is that laughed. a serious thing? No, no, <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were serious. Okay. Yeah, I had to think I was battling whether you were serious or not before I responded. We can almost always assume that if anybody brings up Saved by the Bell, it's always funny. <laughs> it's it's, nobody ever means Saved by the Bell seriously. They had a character named Screech. Come on now. That's a great question, Kay. We should think on that for next time. I'm really going to rack my brain to try and see if I can come up with a show like that. You mean yeah, House doesn't count? What? You mean House doesn't count? <laughs> oh. Huh. I mean, they're still around, but in a very small... Compa- well, not anymore. Chase and Foreman are, just, are on just as much now yeah, as they but were I mean, before. There was a season or two where they were very background. But yeah. for the most part, yeah, and I mean, they love the new characters. They focus so much on Taub and 13, way more than they ever did about the originals um, in the first three seasons. Well, that was because of the shift that the show itself made, narratively speaking, yeah. from that. So, don't blame it on the characters. Blame it on the fact that they ran out no, of crazy. No, I don't. You. <laughs> well, I'll, I, I still blame it on Chase. I'll blame everything on Chase because he's awful. But other than that... He's the pretty blonde guy, right? Yeah. He's yeah. the only person on that show. I, don't, I, I hate Chase. I can't stand him. Oh, but Taub? I hate Taub. Taub is interesting. Taub is stupid. <laughs> And he's such a good source of ridicule for everyone. And he's good at basketball. Did you not see that episode? <laughs> he's really good at basketball, and he's a small Jewish man. You know, that you tickles know how me. we know that he's good at basketball? Is that he played the black guy. The black guy, and he almost beat the black guy. Yeah. Because all black guys are good at basketball. Yes, we are. <laughs> it's true. Oh, Matt, true. Why, why are you lying to people? You're a white teenage girl. I am. I'm a white teenage girl. <laughs> All the CW and the uh, ABC Family that you watch. I only watch one show on ABC <laughs> Family. You can hardly, you know, get on me about that one. But, but you yes, I do watch. A, I do watch a lot of CW. Yeah. I really cannot. And I'm I'm rewatching Ally McBeal right now after rewatching Felicity. Like I really am just a white teenage girl. That's a riot. <laughs> but in my white teenage girl defense, Felicity and Ally McBeal are both quality television shows. Felicity is good for the first season and a half. She cuts her hair, the show goes down. Two is still good. One and two are fine. Three is iffy. Four is okay, but the end is dumb. There it is. That That is the, the definitive end. That is the definitive evaluation of Felicity. Felicity, the last four episodes of Felicity, the, the, uh, the extra WB order, that should be your favorite. That's J.J. Abrams being J.J. Abrams. It right is. That's, that's, I mean, there's time travel. There's time there's travel. There's time well. travel in Felicity. <laughs> like, it's fantastic. It should be, but I don't... I didn't get the ending that I wanted. Because they didn't tell you what was inside Megan's box? No, I don't care. I'm, I'm not as I am not as concerned about what was inside the box. I don't like. I hate Ben. That's my issue. Me too. I was not everyone ben. hated Ben. No you know, one what's her name. And uh, I just uh, I, I I do not like the ending to that series. I watched um uh what's the movie Underworld? So I saw Scott Speedman in his filmic form, and oh, yeah. then I've been watching. 
Grey's Anatomy where Scott Foley is on. So I've had a Ben and Noel week, and yes, I am still a, a Noel shipper. Yes, so. always and forever. Also well, who isn't? Who, wait, who isn't a Noel shipper? I mean, let's be honest. Here. The people who wrote the show, apparently. Yeah, I was talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally a Noel shipper. Me too. There you go. Yeah, I've always rooted for the underdog. I, I was a, I'm a Pacey fan. Who I, I know it's. I mean, I'm a Damien fan. So you you name. I mean, only I think Pacey's the only time we're actually going to see the underdog win. Um, but you know. I'll, I'll still keep watching Vampire Diaries and dream of the possibilities. Dan won, kind of, for a while in Gossip Girl. He was the underdog. You know, I would never put Gossip Girl in the same category as some of these other shows. Where they, no, where me, re- me neither. I'm just trying to think of other, of other underdogs. But no, Gossip Girl is nowhere near what Felicity and Dawson's Creek were. You know, because that's the thing with shipping. Ship, the thing with, uh, you know, people make a lot of fun of shippers and all that. And I, I do think it gets a little absurd. Like, the, the Liz Jack shippers on 30 Rock should not be allowed to watch the show ever. No. Like, if no, that's what yeah. you are yearning for. And there are, there are other shows like this where there, where there are shippers. Like, weird uh, the, things like... The Peggy Don Draper shippers? Yeah, those people don't understand those characters at all. They don't understand that relationship. There have been procedural shippers, like where the show is not even about that, and people still find a way. So there's some pretty crazy stuff that goes on. But with these particular shows, like, and I would say it's a rarefied set of shows, the there's something that really magical can happen when you put two actors together, mm-hmm. and it, it happens in some of these shows. And I think that people are responding less to necessarily even what what's written about the characters, you know, with the dialogue they speak or whatever. It's actually about chemistry. And I, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I suppose Gossip Girl, Chuck and Blair have some pretty good chemistry, but somehow they're they're not tapping into the same kind of passion I felt about Pacey and Joey, where I really thought this is what it has to be. I mean, it's that kind. <laughs> of, anything else would have not been okay, you know. Shipping's fascinating because the show becomes about it. I, I don't know, you know, exactly what what transformation happens that makes you obsess over two characters, but. Um, it's I, I, I enjoy the phenomenon because I care. I really care. And I'm really happy when it works out for me. So then why is The Office such a failure? People loved Jim and Pam, but once they got together, it was terrible. But there wow. are examples where when those two people finally get together, it's not like Pacey and Joey killed Dawson's Creek. It didn't. It didn't. But, but Jim and Pam, like, why is that one so different? Because everyone loved that couple. That was the, that was the reason to watch. Well, there's there's a lot of like drama that was still between Joey and Pacey when they were together. Yeah, like they, you know, there's still stuff that was going on between them, and there's still stuff that was going on elsewhere in the show. When in the office, there's very little else. Come on, there's drama. Pam wanted them to dress up for Halloween, and Jim did not. <laughs> yeah, and the birthday thing with the comic. No, no, actually, I actually think they've done a pretty good job with Jim and Pam. The, the thing with Jim is that Jim's really only interesting when he's you know making fun of Dwight. Like that's that's the relationship with Jim that I actually care about that they've come that's... back to this year in a way that I think is useful. But I mean, you you are wrong if you think the office is about Jim and Pan. It is about Michael. It has always been about Michael. And I, I think that's the show rises and falls with Michael. I, I will agree with you that this season especially has been about Michael, but I don't I think that uh, the Jim and Pam drama has always been a, a good B story for that show and once that B story dropped out, they had very little else and it had to be on Michael's shoulders and I don't think the show did very well with that. Which is why they have to keep creating other couples. To, that's where Andy and Aaron came from. They had to try and do it again. Jump in the shark, essentially. Although I love the Andy Aaron, uh, what's his name, triangle. I actually think that's uh, pretty interesting. With Gabe, yeah. Gabe, I, th- I find that pretty entertaining. I think the, the British office, I definitely think the Jim Pam version there, they really were the heart of that show. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I do think that, that version of the show... If that couple got together, the show ended. That was that, you know. But I, I, I like seeing Jim and Pam together. I think they've done a nice job. I mean, giving them a baby kind of sucks. Maybe that's part of the problem. The baby keeps you trapped. You can't go out. You can't have fun. I don't know. Well, you know, because when you bring a baby to a show in season five, six, whatever, it's the, it's the death of the show. It means you've run out of ideas. So maybe it's not the marriage of Jim and Pam. Maybe it's the baby that's the issue. Maybe it's huh. the, the show has run out of ideas in general, and they just kind of... Uh, yeah, did a bunch of stuff like you know getting together, making a baby, making Steve Carell exit. I mean, I don't think they made Steve Carell exit. I think Steve Carell saw the writing on the wall. Yeah, no, he's doing something wise. Yeah, 
So that's it for the uh, Monsters of Television podcast. I mean, <clears throat> that's it for the Monsters of Television podcast. Thank you for listening. Say goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, everyone. Say goodnight, Gracie. Goodnight, Gracie. <laughs>